Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, I'm joined by the two regulars, James Cunliffe and Tony Murray. Uh, gents, been a month or so since we were last together, how are you both? Keeping well I hope? Good mate, good. Yeah, de- decent mate, bit Groundhog Day isn't it? But, you know, it is, decent. absolutely. Well, we've got a packed uh, episode coming up. We are going to... Um, we're going to discuss the remains of the transfer window since the last time we were all together. We'll quickly touch on some of the recent matches. In fact, a couple of them seem an absolute mile away. Uh, we'll have a bit more in-depth reaction to the Cardiff game. Uh, we'll do two player focuses this month, James Collins and Harry Cornick. I want to pick up on a few things that Nathan Jones said in his press conference ahead of uh, that Cardiff game because there are a couple of really interesting things then we'll have a look ahead to the um, matches to come up until the next international break we'll then break away from Luton Town issues and we'll discuss a wider uh, thing taking the knee uh, racial abuse social media and, and all of that and then we'll finish off with another update as we promised you last month on the developments regarding the dome or lack of their uh, developments at Kutano Road Anyone who listened to our January podcast will have known that we split it up into two parts. There's an awful lot going on at the moment. There's a heck of a lot of football on the pitch. There's an awful lot of things going on off the pitch. So rather than whack a two hour plus chunk at you, we're going to split it up into separate sections on the pitch and off the pitch. This is part one of the podcast and we will begin by looking at the remainder of the transfer window uh, since we last got together. Before we get cracking, chaps, let me just thank everyone for their um, kind words and replies uh, regarding the two uh, latest podcasts that we've done with Kieran and Dewsbury Hall and Tom Lockyer. Uh, Glad that everyone that listened enjoyed and um, the feedback's really welcome. If you click subscribe to however you listen to this podcast, uh, you'll be notified when the next one of those comes up. We're not 100% sure when that'll be right now because the games are coming thick and fast, but we will endeavour to get another player um, between now and the international break, if we can. Uh, But yeah, the comments were fantastic. Thanks again to the two boys that gave up their time to speak to me. Um, Brilliant speakers spoke just as well off the pitch as they do play on it. And um, that was much appreciated. Okay, gents, the transfer window. We'd already signed Cal Naismith uh, the last time we spoke, but as... um, Transfer deadline loomed. Two more came uh, into the club. James, I'll get your thoughts first because um, you were covering uh, that day. Tom Ince, Elijah Adebayo. I think everyone wanted a striker on that last day, didn't they? Uh, But there was a real sort of pull on social media about signing a striker. There was a lot of talk that someone from West Brom, Kyle Edwards, was going to come to the club. A lot of talk about Scott Twine. Uh, Swindon midfielder but we ended up with two what were your thoughts on those two you've spoken to them both as well haven't you so you're probably in a good place to uh, to judge yeah well I mean um, Tom Ince for starters everybody should know him really shouldn't they um, it's yeah it's quite a it's quite a decent signing I was gonna say coup I'm not sure it's a coup because he's not he's not played for a while so he's gonna have to as we've seen from the games he's had a bit of a cameo in it's gonna take a while to get Back up to full fitness, I'd imagine, but um, it, it's it's pretty impressive that they can attract uh, a, a player like that. And from having spoken to him, uh, I think I said to you actually after I spoke to him, that's probably one of the best first new player signing interviews I've, I've ever done with a player. He's a very intelligent guy, thinks a lot about the game. Um, appears to come with no ego whatsoever just wants to uh, prove himself and and um i don't know what his situation with this is it stoke but if he does have a happy end to the season here then then who knows um it, it could be a, a good fit a good match um as for elijah adebayo uh equally uh, good in in chatting to him and that's probably all that i've really got of him other than the little cameo he he had last night uh, against Cardiff. Um, I've seen the clips like everybody else has done, but uh, I'm not going to pretend to be one of these uh, uh, Twitter people that knows every single player inside out. I've never heard of him, I I have to say. Um, It it strikes me very much as 
a player that was obviously well thought of as an academy player. You're not going to come through the Fulham ranks otherwise. Um, he's had to go down to League Two to start with his senior men's career. That's been a pattern of, of many a player and, and some that have come through Luton. Think like um, Cameron McGittin, for, for instance. Um, so he's going to have to take some adjustments to get to the championship, I would imagine. I don't think you can really tell much from last night's game against Cardiff. It was um, he, he didn't see too much action, so it's hard to really judge judging what he's like. But um, this is where Luton are uh, at the moment. I mean, they've managed to get a, a decent loan signing. Uh, somebody who's, uh, who's fairly well proven, but probably has something to prove in this division. And and young players that they're going to have to try and um, snap up and, and and try and develop. And they have done. They have developed strikers in the past. You know, they've, you know Jack Marriott, Isaac Vassell, Andre Gray, all in very recent memory. So there's every hope that, 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 that something could happen there, particularly when you've got, you know, a man like Mick Harford as assistant coach and, and helping him out. So, um, yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen what, what, what it would be like, really. It's probably a similar sort of situation with Sam Nombe. We haven't really seen a lot of, lot of re- either of them. Um, I mean, hopefully, Luton can get to a certain point's target sooner or later that sees them safe from relegation. I think probably 55 is going to be do it. If they can get to that sooner or later, then it would be good f- towards the end of the season to get to see these players a bit more where there's, there's not so much riding on it. But um, yeah, they have to get there uh, for starters. So yeah, it remains to be seen. It, it's positive, I think. It's it's good. They wanted strikers. You're not going to get multi-million pound strikers. Um, uh, and, and, and that's where Luton are, really. Yeah, as Steve Bruce said on deadline day, we probably wanted Neymar, but had to be a little bit more um, realistic with our expectations. Um, Tony, two men with a point to prove, I think it's fair to say, that came into the club. But speaking to Tom Lockyer uh, on the podcast, he certainly seems impressed with both of them in the short time that they've been training together. Um, typical Luton signings, really, aren't they? Both of them, you know, a loan signing who um, should offer a lot more than just what he does on the pitch and a youngster that can be trained up into hopefully something special mm, yeah definitely I mean look you look at um, Tom Ince he seems to be a player that's uh, lost his way a bit um, you know you 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 would never have thought 10 years ago that a player of that worth would would come to Luton um, you know you're right he has got a lot to prove um, but I, I, I think he's come to the right club for that I mean Nathan obviously rates him, and as for Adibayo, he's a um, an up and coming striker. I mean, for a big man, he's supposed to have a really good touch and some uh, close control ball skills, which which is good. Um, I know uh, Walsall fans were gutted to lose him and didn't want to lose him, and and, and I know that um, it was quite a coup getting him because you know there there were one or two other clubs looking at him, so. Um, I think we we we've we've done well, but I, I think some you know it, it's the same with all supporters. A lot of them, you know, have unrealistic ideas. You know, they say that we brought we've got these players in, and why aren't they going straight into the into the team? Well, you've got to remember. I think James has touched on it already that Ince hasn't played properly for quite quite some time. So it's going to take him a little while to get up to speed. And Adi Bayo's been playing League Two football. Um, and it's it, it's a hell of a step up to the championship. We know that. We saw that last season. But it's very rare. I mean, it happens occasionally, but it's very rare for a, a new player to come in and make an immediate impact straight away. I mean, everybody is looking at KDH and, yes, he's a great talent and everything else. But when he first came into the side, it still took him a few games to get up to speed and showing us really what he can do. So it, it, it's going to take a little while for that to happen. And, and uh, you know, being realistic, James again has touched on it. We can't go out and pay £5 million for a striker. We just can't do it. We're not, we're not in that bracket yet. 
Um, and as we said, uh, you know, we all said at the start of the season that we wanted an improvement on last season, um, which we have shown. You know, we, we're far more harder to beat. You look at the increased number of um, one-nil wins we've got. And we, we've got some good one-nil wins. I'm telling you, a few weeks ago, when we beat Bournemouth, for God's sake. Um, and we've we've done that in games, you know, where last season we'd have lost. You know, so we're making steady, steady progress. And what a lot of fans need to remember is that our side and our team are still very much uh, a work in progress. We are slowly improving. We're slowly getting stronger. Um, a lot of the existing players have, have, have found their feet in the championship. Um, and, and we're getting there. And, and as, as long as we, we finish above 50 points, I think that'll be uh, good for us. And the sooner the better we, we get there. I mean, I've heard people talking about the playoffs. I mean, real, it's totally unrealistic. You know, if, if our side somehow managed to get in the playoffs and we fluked um, winning them and getting into the premiership, can you, can you imagine what would happen? We would get relegated with a record low points. Um, because what people think, you know, you, you get promoted and you get the money straight away, but you don't, you have to speculate. And then you, you, you get any prize money at the end of the season. You know, so I, I think a lot of our supporters need to have a real short, sharp dose of realism. And, uh, you know, remember that we're very lucky. We've got a board that operates and runs the club within its means. We're not overstretching ourselves because, you know, Kev, we, we've been through it in the past before where, where our club almost disappeared. You know, so I, I think the two acquisitions have been useful. Um, certainly, if it doesn't work out with Tom Inch, we're not going to lose anything. But you never know. Once he starts clicking and playing, you know, we might see the Tom Inch of old, and I hope certainly we do that. But I think Eddie Bay has got a lot of potential, and I, I you know, I, I think he's more of a player for next season rather than the end of this season, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair enough. Just quickly, James, Monday there was a little bit of a surprise announcement made that um, a couple of uh, changes to the scouting recruitment um, team was made. I guess that kind of shows that the intent is there to get the best out of what we've got. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, this was something that was, I actually spoke with the old manager, Graham Jones, last season about uh, because, um, you know, Gary Sweet had also come out and said that they obviously, the club obviously have to do things a different way to try and compete. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, whether it's this uh, statistical knowledge, which is, I did ask yesterday whether it's sort of the money ball um, uh, style that Brentford have adopted and it's not really it they're going to use the statistical um knowledge uh where they can uh, to get some gains but then they've obviously got some very good scouts that are a bit more old school and just use their eyes and their experience so it's a sort of a, a meshing together of the old and the new I think um which is, it's got to be positive. You've got to try everything you can to try and uh, compete with with uh, teams. Like if you take last night, for example, Cardiff and, and and Nathan rightly said, you know, they've got Harry Wilson from Liverpool on loan who scores a absolutely fantastic goal, didn't really do much else. But the amount of money it probably cost them would, would, would drown Luton financially. And so you, you've got to come up with these little, little gems. And, you know, if you look at Brentford, is a Brentford as a good model for a club that has come from the lower leagues and is now pushing and knocking on the door for the Premier League. It's perfect for Luton to look at that club and and see the parallels, not least because they've got a new stadium as well, and they're putting everything in place to to become a, a club that can compete in the top table. But if it's worked for them, and we know it's worked for them because they've. Uh, they've, they've almost used that method exclusively. Um, I'm not sure that they really needed that method to pinch Andre Gray off Luton. The, the, the obvious signs were there, but uh, um, it, it's it's very interesting. I'm, I'm sort of I, I'm caught between the two 
worlds in the sense that I very much uh, enjoy football for the, uh, the obvious visual drama of it. But there's this growing world of statistical um, knowledge and insight, which I'm not that au fait with. Uh, and I need to be, I think, because I don't want to become a dinosaur. I don't want to totally disregard it. I think there's some useful stuff in there. I, for my mind, without having actually sort of investigated as much, uh, and I, I hope too soon, is that um, that statistical background and insight and knowledge and uh, will, will really come into its own when you're trying to recruit players, which is why these why these appointments have been made. Um, but I, I'm not so sold on the idea of uh, you know this XG and expected goals and all this sort of stuff because um and again i i, I would i have my mind i'm perfectly happy to have my mind changed uh, i don't want to come across as a dinosaur but i just expect goals anyway it's football i don't want to go in there and watch a nil nil game and i know that that's not what it means i'm just being a little bit uh, facetious about it but uh i'm i'm not so sold on all the statistics you can have or the 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 american footballific footballification of uh, our game when the only real stats you need is who scored the most goals <laughs> and so um but it is an interesting one and it, it's good to see that they're making these strides off the pitch and it will there'll be a link to what they've done this week in the those appointments uh to probably what we're going to speak about later uh, in terms of Cutenho Road, which was the development of the academy, and there'll be obvious links there. It won't be directly. Uh, uh, it won't directly speak to the sort of problems we've got with Cutenho Road, but the the theory behind it of developing your own players, developing your academy, and uh, sort of like the Ajax method, really, isn't it? You produce the players, and other people buy them off you. It's a great model. Um, so yeah, uh, I think it's very uh, interesting and positive. Um, yeah, they sort of we had a press conference that morning and we didn't hear anything about it. So the news came out afterwards, and uh, I hope that we can speak about it more with uh, with either uh, you know Nathan or the, the some of the backroom staff involved because I think it's a very interesting subject. Yeah, it's something that we might try and um, approach nearer the summer when uh, you would think it's going to become. A little more, a little bit more relevant. Um, interesting, actually, that Phil Chapel was Brighton's European scout. I wonder if that's a market that we're going to look into uh, in keeping with your kind of Brentford theme, really. And let's stick with Brentford because it was the first game that we played after the last podcast we did. Tony, I'll come to you on this one. Uh, I just want to be brief on these first few games because, as I said, they were so far ago that um, you could almost forget that they existed. Um, Got caught out early on against Brentford, didn't we? Dominated the game in the second half. And another one of those many occasions where we've come away wondering how the hell we've lost. Yeah, it, it familiar story, isn't it? Um, yeah, but you see, the thing is, it, 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 comparisons with Brentford, Brentford are at that next level. And uh, that's the sign of a really good team that, you know, they can be played off the park, they can be outplayed. But they've still got enough about them to go out to go out there and, and score. You know, you can you can see parallels um between what's going on now and and our League One season. Because we did that to teams, you know, um in particular on, on one guy, I, I remember Bradford away. We a, a rain shucking it down or not. I don't think I've ever been so cold and wet in my life. It's even more so than Wickham away a few years ago. And uh, we were absolutely awful. But we had one chance and Jack Stacey scored for us. And that was all we needed. And that's what you're finding at the moment. And, and I found that Brentford seemed to be one of these teams that are, are, are difficult to beat. There's, there's no disgrace losing to a team like that. You know, um, they're, they're, they're there or thereabouts at the top of the table. Um, we've proved that. Um, when we get it right and on our day that we can um, turn teams over. I mean, we did it to Norwich, didn't we? And Bournemouth away. So this is what I mean about us, us learning and, and, and growing. And 
just to go back to the last point what James was saying, um, I just wanted to make the point that I think the club um, are starting to try and look at getting things right off the pitch and getting everything ready for the next level in terms of these new appointments, in terms of having another 23 development side um, so that we can get the Luton Town production line going again because that's how this club has survived in the past by producing players uh, through our own youth system or, or taking other players from the lower level, bringing them in and improving them. Um, and, and that's definitely the way forward. But that, that Brentford game, um, it was just one of those one of those things. And I think we're on the way to actually becoming that sort of side ourselves in the championship like we were in League One. One side who have um, developed plenty of players themselves to the benefit of hundreds of clubs across the world are Chelsea, James. And you were at that game, the, the cup tie. Um, pretty cold by all by all accounts with the snow and, and, and everything else. So I hope you didn't get too cold while she was there. But what did you make of the game? Um, especially the early sort of stages, really, where they overran us, but got a bit fortunate with their first goal with two balls on the pitch. Oh, the multi-ball scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? It's... Uh, I, I think there's a there's a bigger there's a bigger conversation to have about the quality of refereeing uh, everywhere in this country at the moment and how you fix that. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm sure that having to go at them isn't going to help, but also um, molly molly coddling them when they make absolute howlers also isn't going to help. So I'd, I'd, it'd be an interesting discussion there. But yeah, I, that that didn't help. You don't really need things to go against you when you're playing against a, a, a team full of um, international class players that have cost multi-millions of pounds. Um, but it did. And, you know, once the once the two early ones went in, you know, it's a, you, you could really see no way back, even when the their goalie um, gifted Jordan Clark a, a consolation, essentially, by letting it, letting it in. While Luton held their own, it, it it was just as many have games have been of late, just a, like a demonstration of how how clinical you need to be to be a top side uh, in any division, uh, as to, as opposed to Luton, who try to do the basics right and quite often have done this season, but don't have that um, that real goal threat at the moment. Yeah, it must be a sign of how five sound have come that you know. Chelsea can beat us and still sack their manager. So, um, you know, bad luck with uh, Frank Lampard with that. I'll stick with you for the next one, James. Blackburn was, you know, following on from the Brentford theme, another game. We didn't look in any trouble with whatsoever. Don't know how we didn't score. And then, you know, well, I don't even know how you would describe their goal. I mean, what, five seconds of madness, whatever whatever it was, but it's another referee and, um implication that has condemned us to defeat and that's the thing isn't it it is it, it's so frustrating when you're when you're playing at your limit as Luton obviously are you don't need referees cocking up and helping the opposition um it's bad enough against Chelsea but that was just a free hit wasn't it but this was a game where Luton were the better side against Rovers and then the referee just drops it at the feet of a of um, Holtby and, and he, two passes later it's a goal and you never saw it coming uh, I, I thought the Luton were the team in the ascendancy and, and they should have got something from that game if not victory uh, a point and it, it's it's so disheartening particularly when you hear like uh, Tom Lockyer come out after the game and said the, the referee apologised you know it's all that you know it in some ways you think, well, that at least shows some human element of the referees who, who tend to hide behind a wall of silence. But it's still not good enough, is it? You can it, it still costs Luton three points. So it's a yeah, very frustrating. But I mean, if you just if you just look at the results, you can get yourself worked up about it. But this is a progression season, isn't it? It's a season to try and consolidate in the in the league and do a bit better. And if you look at the actual performances, which I know people don't like to do because they say, oh, well, you lost, but they haven't looked overawed by many teams 
certainly uh, this calendar year, but really the whole season. And they really held their own. And, and Blackburn were, are one of those teams that have spent a lot of money and they've got a hell of a lot of goals um, in Armstrong. Uh, you know, Holtby there was blooming German international, wasn't he? So they played for Tottenham. So um, that's what you're up against. And if you can compete against those and and do well and get enough points to stay in the division and keep progressing, then Luton are going about things the right way. It's just, you know, the frustration of results when when something like that happens. Yeah, referees have been doing a lot of apologises to Tom Lockyer recently, haven't they? I forgot to mention it uh, in that Brentford game, that the sending off that got overturned. I mean, you know, there's a there's a director somewhere in the I follow doom and gloom ranks who knows what Tom Lockyer did, but the rest of the world are completely oblivious to what he was meant to have done that evening and obviously didn't do an awful lot because he got his red card rescinded. Tony, I'll come to you. Um, James just said that he's not a fan of these um, modern statistics and, and ironically in that Blackburn game, um, you know, the chances created were were strong. But against Huddersfield, our expected goals was in the 2.3 bracket, which I'm reliably informed is pretty damn good. But unfortunately, only one of them found the net. Dan Potts will probably be the man most guilty of missing one of the uh, the better chances that we created on the afternoon against Huddersfield. But yet again, it's another game we've come away from having absolutely dominated for 80, 85 minutes and not got three points from. It's so frustrating, isn't it? Um, we play well and we get, we just switch off, you know, we, we, we you know, and as Nathan said, Huddersfield are a quite a fluent side and, and can play well, but we didn't give them a sniff. And uh, I, we've got this huge self-destruct button, I think. And uh, for some reason, they just went, oh, we're going to press that and, you know, give a goal away. But some of the goals were, were given away, it's frustrating because we don't get goals like that, do we? We, we, we don't get that sort of fortune. Um, so it is very, very frustrating. But again, it, it, let's not be negative about it. You know, I, I think we can all agree our defence has looked a lot tighter this season. Um, we do look better. We look harder to beat. So I prefer to concentrate on that and and see that as as progression is moving forward. Um, one comment I would make: saying as you get promoted through the leagues, you think you keep thinking that uh, the the standard of refereeing is going to be better at the next level up. But I think it's getting worse. I think it's going the other way. If yeah. we were to get in the Premier League, God knows what it'd be like. I I, I you know. That 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 goal um, against that against us at Blackburn that was that was ridiculous. And then the multi-ball incident, you know, you're just thinking, good God. Um, having said that, James, you know, with the referee apologising, that's no good to us now. That that's three points we've lost. No, we, exactly. we, we, should, we should have at least come away from Rovers with a point. Yeah, yeah, no, they should have. Yeah, we we were the better side in that game as well. And and I think that's the most frustrating thing as a supporter is, you know, you can accept losing, you know, if if both sides are playing well and we're beaten by a better side on the night. Yeah, it's annoying when we don't perform and we sort of basically throw the points away. But when we perform well and we look like the only side capable of winning the game, um, it, it's soul-destroying. Absolutely yeah. soul-destroying. Yeah. That was another game where the referee that, yeah, yeah, had, had had his say because it, the, the, the Huddersfield equaliser come from a free kick that it's just not a free kick. It's just ridiculous. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at it, Kev. Um, a lot of these referees, I mean, we, we've had some dreadful ones. They, they whistle happy, blowing up for everything. Gavin Ward, yeah. because so frustrating. When we've got a fantastic advantage. Yeah. And, and you know, Footballers at this level, you know, they want to play. They don't want the free kick. They want to play on. Where it's only at Sunday league level and that, that you think, oh, I want a free kick. I want a free kick. Um, and I, I thought that was the idea of it. But 
I, I, I sometimes think, you know, it's true what they say about these referees. They want the spotlight, not the players on there. And the best referees, as you know, are, are, are not, you know, you, you, you never hear of them. Nothing happens. No, that's right. I know it happens. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. there was one yesterday to see uh, Darren Drysdale uh, yeah. locking heads with Alan Judge at Ipswich, <laughs> and he's had to come out and apologise. I mean, apologise, but he's been charged by the FA. I mean, you know, quite rightly so. We'll probably do a, a proper <laughs> thing on referees actually, maybe in, our, in the next podcast that we do, because like you say, they're they're having too much of an impact, uh, and we're going to come on to another one now. Birmingham, well, uh, Birmingham I'm, away last Saturday. I'm say that you know. Some of these managers, you can understand players opening their gobs and saying something when the referee has been blatantly crap. And yet, so much for freedom of speech, you say it, and the referee are down on uh, the DFA are down on you like a ton of bricks. I think these referees should be made more answerable. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's, that's absolutely the answer. Uh, James, if COVID 19 was a football match, we witnessed it on Saturday, didn't we? Um, <laughs> <laughs> away to Birmingham City. Now, fortunately, this wasn't one of those games that we dominated and didn't get three points. We did get three points. I'm reluctant to say Dan Potts couldn't miss the goal, but it, he missed pretty much from exactly the same spot the previous Saturday. So maybe he could have could have missed it. But um, the Harry Cornick long throw actually had an impact in this game. It was the first time that I've really recalled us ever winning anything from it. And Lo and behold, we scored, albeit against a terrible Birmingham side. Yeah, well, even a, a blind squirrel finds the occasional nut, doesn't they? So something had to happen there. <laughs> I mean, what I will say about Harry Cornick's long throw is a darn sight better than that first one that Cardiff threw in last night because that ended up somewhere towards the back of the kennel end, pretty much without a touch in the pitch. And I've no idea what he was aiming for there. But <laughs> yeah. if you looked at that goal, Potsy. He didn't have to head it. He had enough time to take it down, sit on the ball, stand up, and then put it over the line, didn't he? <laughs> it was brilliant. It's you know everything about that 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 was brilliant. That was equally as brilliant as that Cardiff throw was comical. It was uh, it, it was great. Uh, carry on, no James. That that Birmingham game, we needed a win and we got it, and that was pretty much all you could say about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a big result. I mean, I know that. Um, Nathan and the club say they're looking up the table, and that's fair enough. But after the um, the results that we just mentioned, where they should have got some points that they didn't, uh, they were slipping closer to relegation. I, I was never under any fear that they're going to get um, dragged into that. There's nothing that this season has suggested that says they're um, <clears throat> that they're as bad as the bottom three or even some of the the teams just above it. But you, you do want that bit of a, a points gap and. And that's what victory against Birmingham did. It, it put nine points between them and Birmingham. And incidentally, it put nine points off the playoffs. Like, uh, and I agree totally with Tony earlier that, um, <clears throat> you know, I think there's getting in the playoffs is a bit of a fanciful of idea. <laughs> um, uh, but it was, yeah, it was an absolutely dire game. But, but Birmingham are an awful team <clears throat> and they have been every time we've pl- uh, played them uh, in the championship. This season, but they've somehow got the ball on the head of Jukovic and 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 they've got something out of it. So uh, it was a relief not to see him until they um, got desperate and started throwing the kitchen sink. Uh, well, I, I imagine that's what the the tactic was to throw the kitchen sink, but um, they must not have had one available because they were absolutely shocking. It was about uh, as heavy as a paper bag. Uh, but you know that's that's what you've got, you've got to do to you've got to beat those teams that are, are, are below you, and um, and they did so. It it was a it was a good result, uh, but a game that's not going to live long in the memory. Yeah, no, it certainly isn't. Tony, seven away goals, seventeen points, kind of shows that when we do go go on the road and are competitive, we're actually getting an awful lot out of you know out of those goals. We're keeping clean sheets. I think it's five one nil wins now away mm. from home which everyone keeps on telling us or telling James is the best result in football mm. which well, to a fan of course is bollocks because 6-0 stands are better than 1-0 but you score that one if it's in the first minute and you're hanging on for the in the next 89 it's not so much fun but when you do it in the last minute that's the best feeling in the world 
uh, I think we'd all appreciate it if um, we could score two in a game. It would do our nerves the world good, I think, because um, all it takes is one mistake and they're in and we're quite capable of doing that. But, you know, I, 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 when we when we do it and, and, and we get it absolutely right, we, we, we do look very good. As I said before, we, we, we seem so hard to beat. Um, you know, but in all honesty, I think we should have scored more against Birmingham. Um, they've got to be one of the worst sides I think I've seen this season. You know, I'm glad Djokovic didn't score because I think in, since we've been back in the championship, that's the first game against them that he hasn't scored. Um, you know, and uh, I think when you look at it, I'm like James, I don't, I don't think we'll get sucked into it. I, I, I honestly don't think we will because I think there's three worst sides at the bottom, actually, Birmingham, Sheffield Wednesday and uh, what are their name again? From the industrial estate, um, yeah, not sure, but I don't think you'll have to mention them next season. I think that's uh, well, that's, that's absolutely that's fair enough. Looking forward to Kev, that'll be like Christmas come early. Um, <laughs> but no, no, you know, a lot of pleasure from a one nil win, even if it's uh, it does shred your nerves. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it certainly does. Uh, there must have been some proper shit goalkeeping performances on Saturday because I saw somewhere that Sluga got in the championship team of the day and if he was sat in my living room watching it on the television with me he'd have been harder work than he was that <laughs> afternoon so I've absolutely no idea how that's happened at all but fair play to him uh, you know maybe maybe it was there because he literally froze his ass off and that was enough to get in um, in the side uh, all credit to him if I, actually if you see some of the Premier League goalkeeping over the weekend he could easily have found his way in there Right, let's talk about Cardiff because there was an awful lot of reaction after the game. And I guess there's twofold reason for this, James. Obviously, one, we lost. But secondly, because it's on television and um, more people were obviously going to have watched that game than they would have done some of the away games that, uh, you know, you need to pay for in this time. First of all, when you saw the team sheet and you saw Danny Hilton's name on it, what was your thoughts? And I'm kind of thinking there in regards to what we had on the bench, striker-wise? Um, my thoughts were exactly what, what it turned out it was used for, really, to try and match up uh, Cardiff. I don't really know what it looked like on TV screen, but last night in the ground, it was like living in the land of the Giants, watching the Cardiff uh, back line and some of the... Well, I was going to kind of ask you this, because obviously you're the only one here that gets that pitch perspective, whereas we just get what a television or I follow cameraman wants us to see sort of mm -hmm. thing. So with that regard, you know, were, was it set up with a, a chance of attacking and, um, you know, a, a sort of structure that obviously there was an emphasis on defending an awful lot of high balls, which we had to do. But was there also a way of attacking them that, you know, that you could you could see that when we had the ball, we could do it. And I, and I know that, you know, the obvious argument is we should have took the lead through Collins and all of that. But, you know, to the to the kind of casual fan, there was no pace or creativity in that side, was there? So was what could you sit there and see how we were going to score a goal, I guess is what I was asking, is what I'm asking. In the first half, yeah, there was a lot of good work that was going down the left, Potts and Naismith in particular. I've seen a lot of people having a go at Naismith but in the first half it was really good and I mean I gave Dan Pottsman a match because um, well he headed everything away but for, for once really he was showing a lot of attacking intent and, and running beyond the player with the ball and trying to get him behind and, and showing that so there was something there to try and get around the side I think it, it wasn't quite the same on the other side because that's not Matty Pearson's strong point and was giving a ball away a, a fair amount, um, but I think you know if you if you're looking at if you're looking at Hilton in there, there's an element of um, of his experience as well. And the thing that we all like about him is his shithousery, is to 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 be in there and, and that because the the Cardiff back line are very solid. Uh, uh, very useful at doing the, the basics um, so you've got to ruffle them up a little bit somehow and you're not going to do that you're not going to do that physically in fact the only time Luton managed to do that is when they chucked on Elijah Adebayo at the end and he was 
actually the same size as them. Um, but you would Which was kind of where I was getting at. Should he have started instead of Hill? No, it comes back to that uh, the point that we were talking about at the, the beginning of the podcast about he's, he's got a lot of um, uh, development to make up to come up from League Two to Championship. If you put him in straight off the bat against uh, Aidan Flint and uh, Morrison, he's going to get it's going to get clattered all over the place. It's going to have a horrible time and it's going to do the lad's confidence no good. James Collins and Danny Hilton could take that. They've done that for their entire career. They, they can they can get in the physical battle with those two um, giants, but uh, it, it's not the game to, just because of his height, it's not the game to stick Elijah Adebayo in against those two um, very, very, you know, very good at they've had they're good at what they do they're, they're not pretty to watch they're not Virgil van Dijk they but they they kick it and head it uh till the cows come home and and it would have got very little change out of them I think so um yeah I could see what I could see why they went with Hilton yeah they're two players who were clearly signed by Neil Warnock weren't they because they suit his DNA yeah, down to a T Tony um another thing that has been a real focus certainly on social media in the aftermath of that game, we matched up with Cardiff. Is that is that something that you understand that we matched them up, you know, three at the back, picked every tall player in the side, etc., etc.? Or would you like to have seen us try and impose our style of football on them? Bearing in mind, we did an awful lot of imposing our style of football on sides last season and took an awful lot of heavy beatings in doing so. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, initially when you looked at that side, you thought, hmm, but then when you thought about Cardiff being big and physical, I can understand why why he did it. Um, and you could tell right, that there was going to be a lack of creativity. Um, and the whole idea was to compete with them and impose ourselves. Because, I mean, you, you know, you looked at they they did a number on us when they beat us at, at uh, Cardiff um, 4-0. And... Uh, Three of their goals came from set pieces, and and, and one of them came from one of ours. Um, so I can understand why he did it, and, and I, I think out of the strikers that we've got, if you looked at it, I think Collins and Hilton were probably the two that had the best chance of uh, competing with that. And when the ball came forward, I think with those two, you had more chance of the ball sticking up there. Um, you know, it wasn't really the sort of game. Initially, you thought where um, we were going to get wide and, and, and play uh, pretty football, as it were. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand why, why, why Nathan did it. I think um, the game plan really came on stop when we lost um, Tom Lockyer. He was having a great game and uh, he went off. And then pretty quickly after that, we lost Matty Pearson. And towards the end of the game, you could see Sonny wasn't um, his normal self. But the, the the big difference I felt was when Glenn Ray went back to centre-half. Um, and that created a, a big hole in the centre of the midfield, which they were able to dominate. Um, their first goal, it was a great finish. You, you've got to give Wilson that. But I think if we hadn't lost um, Lockyer and Glenn had been in the centre of midfield. I don't think he'd have, I don't think Wilson would have got that space. And that's the third thing that's been picked up on. <laughs> Again, I, you know, I'm not necessarily one for agreeing with everything that's on social media, but when it's mentioned, and I dare say a lot of people that post on there listen to this, so it's, it's worth touching on the substitution at half time, James. Should it have been Tunnicliffe instead of Berry coming on? Does Nathan? fully appreciate the role of that defensive midfielder and I, and I kind of say this because there were there were times even in League 2 and League 1 where Pelly would play there when we had McCormack and Ray both fit and you know Ray played an awful lot of centre-half in, um, in the League 2 promotion winning season would you have I mean we're talking in hindsight now but would Tunnicliffe have been a better option than Berry just to keep that same structure I mean hindsight yeah and when I spoke to Nathan yesterday, he recognised that they lost that midfield bite after Ray went back in into the defence. I mean, he didn't explicitly say that he perhaps got that wrong, but 
it was it was clearly there for all to see. I mean, the, the minute um, that I mean losing losing Lockyer was bad enough, and that's going to be a worry uh, if it, if it's a it's a bad injury because he's been an outstanding player. But when you lose Pearson as well, uh, and 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 have to stick Ray back in, then yeah, I mean, in hindsight, probably would have been better for for Tony Tony Cliff to get in there, but. Also, if you take the, the run of the play of the first half, Luton were the better side. Uh, so maybe he was thinking there's opportunities there to get at them. You know, obviously it didn't turn out that way. So, yeah, you can always look at things, you know, uh, in that way once it's happened. But, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't play that. And, and maybe that's something he's going to have to think about now because he might be, his hand might be forced and, and Ray is going to have to play in centre-back. Um, I yeah, mean, I, I, hope, I hope not because you know he's he's so effective at what he does. Um, you know, he's he's not great with the ball at his feet, but he's great at nicking it off other people and finding that finding the spaces where they are and closing them down. Like Tony says, maybe Wilson doesn't get that shot. Off. So um, mm. it, it's it's a big worry. Um, hopefully, they're just very short lived injuries. I mean, yeah. you know, I think with that game, though, Kev, I was just going to say. Um, you know, when when we started looking more effective when the substitutions came on, I I, I think that was uh, uh, just a simple case of uh, Cardiff were controlling the game. They were sitting back and they knew full well that any crosses coming into the box they could deal with all day. Yeah, they kind of, they kind of did sort of preserve their energy at two 0 didn't they? And yeah. I guess you've got to do that at, the, at this sort of time. Yeah. And, uh, and so, job done. Job done. And um, they, you know, and, and you've got to remember, McCarthy's a shrewd operator. He he knew what he was doing, and uh, he got them playing to their strengths. And uh, you know, they they're kind of. And to be honest with you, I, I I didn't expect anything different from last night. To be honest with you, I thought they turned us over. Um, you know, your heart thinks no, hope you know, we'll be all right. But my head was, you know, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And good luck to him. Good luck to him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hopefully they go up because they've got to watch that pumping long ball nonsense when we're back in the ground next season. I'll have a sore neck coming away from um, them two games, that's for sure. Um, just one, um, yeah, I guess ultimately we were just unlucky though, weren't we? The, the ball fell to arguably the most talented player in the division. He spanked Ian from 20 yards. I mean, you know, these uh, these things happen. Let's um, move forward and, and discuss a striker in more detail um James because there's got there, there is a focal point on our attack at the minute and I think that's understandable we're not scoring many goals Nathan's now regularly mentioning that to you and, and everyone else in the pre-match um, press conferences and he's suggesting and, and, I, and I have no reason to disbelieve him that they're working on it every single day so let's let's look at James Collins first and foremost got that monkey off his back against Huddersfield, didn't he? Um, with the goal there. Um, but, you know, he's getting an awful lot of criticism for missing his chance last night. How do you see James Collins right now? Are you seeing him just as a striker out of form or is there something more to it? I think it's a striker out of form. I mean, I don't think it's something you can necessarily... Um, I, I don't think it's something even the club can necessarily put their finger on. I mean, I I tried to um, get to the bottom of it yesterday after the game. I was speaking to Nathan and asking him, you know, is it a confidence issue? Um, uh, and why would a player that cannot, could score those goals every division he's played, why is it not happening now in the Championship? Because it, I, I can't see that last night's chance is because of a step up to the Championship it's a backstick chance where he's one on one and he should be burying it. So is it so, more a in League One and League Two, somewhere in the depths of his mind? Well, if I don't score this one, the next one's coming in five minutes. Whereas when that one comes over, oh shit, I might not get another one today. And all all of a sudden, the pan not panic, but well, I suppose it is panic, isn't it? It's somewhere deep in the conscious. I mean, he's a human being after all. Somewhere in his consciousness, is he thinking, "I've got to bury this because this is my only chance"? Is that the difference? Well, I mean, that that probably is the difference. You're not going to get that as many chances as they previously had, but 
I'd be I'd be trying to cast my mind back to those two uh, seasons that he's been in the, the two divisions below as to how many chances he actually did get and how many converted to my mind he was just a fairly ruthless striker and he wasn't a, a wasteful striker that needed five chances to score but he was but there does seem to be this myth that in those two promotion seasons we converted every chance we created but that was that wasn't no, the case we've no, always no. been unprolific under Nathan Jones always the volume of chances have just been much greater to mask it yeah yeah uh, absolutely there was there was a huge amount of chances it was the old uh, you know shinny stacy cross goal scenario wasn't it um and that's one thing you can one thing you can pinpoint is they're not creating the amount of chances um which is a level above issue isn't it yeah absolutely i think at times um it doesn't help himself because he runs up the channels and stuff when really his game isn't that he hasn't got the pace he, he is a six yard poacher well in theory not not the last night <laughs> prove, prove that prove that wrong but um you know you've got a you've got a present the ball to Collins in those areas that's where he's going to be the most dangerous if you look at the the other big chance for Pelly if that's the other way around and Pelly's laying it off to Collins you expect Collins to at least hit the target but it is that is also symptomatic of of, of Luton in front of goal at, at the minute they are this the idea of being clinical is absolutely true they are not they're not clinical enough if you're only going to get one chance, you need to put it away. And if if you don't, um, there's every chance that these mishaps with referees or you know a goal against a runner play will happen. And that's just that 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 is the that is the level issue. Um, but you know whether that can be changed by this idea of working hard on the training pitch, which is always the stock answer. We've got to just keep working hard. I'm not sure it can. Um, I think, James, I think half the problem is, you know, when we do break forward, we're not getting enough people in the box. A lot of the time, which where you want Collins in the in in, you know, in right in the centre in the box or whatever, and he's not there. Not there. That's the thing. Yeah, I've written a piece on your website about just that, haven't I? Yeah. Well, he did this under Graham Jones, didn't he? And he was trying to drop too far uh, back, and then. And then he got told to just be up there, just be in the box. And then maybe that's what that's what he has to do. But also, he is such an effective defender as mm. well. Um, so if you just say, stick up there, goal hang, then you take something away from the team it, it, as a whole because he's so often back there. Him and Potts are, are unbelievable for heading the ball away and, and, and clearing the danger. Uh uh, uh, maybe that's that's something that you can't risk losing. Um, but, I think yeah. I'd be more worried with regards to Collins if he wasn't getting in those areas to have the chances, like you say, if he was purely running the channel. But I mean, obviously he was in a great area to score against Huddersfield. Yes, he couldn't miss. Yes, it was brilliantly laid on the plate, etc., etc. But he was still there even after a run of nine games without a goal, mm-hmm. which in itself is not an automatic thing. It was his shot that the goalkeeper saved for Potts' goal at Birmingham on Saturday. Did nothing wrong with regards to that. But again, he was where the ball dropped down in a dangerous area. And again, last night, OK, we all wanted to score last night. And had he have scored, who knows what would have happened. But he is getting into those areas, isn't he? And that's that's the thing. As long as he keeps getting into those areas, Tony, you would think, even if you only use it as a law of averages thing, goals will come. Mm. I think um, if you look at it, every striker goes through bad patches and they need chances. They need service to, to score. You know, you give them chances and service, they will score goals. Every striker's like that. They miss opportunities. And I think it stands out more because uh, Colo's not getting as many opportunities as he once did. I think that's basically what the problem is. You give him the service and he'll score the goals. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with that. And I, and I think James's point about, you know, any thoughts of dropping him, you know, what you lose defensively as much as what you lose offensively makes that a no-brainer. He's still 
if not the most important player in the team, still very much one of them. I think what I, I think in regards to James Collins, Luton have uh, invariably got players that have have that ability to deliver the ball, and it's not worked. If you think about the beginning of last season, him and Callum McManaman formed a lovely little p- partnership. Callum McManaman's crossing was wonderful, and you thought. Well, this is great. This is this is going to work a treat. And then McManaman just was too injury prone and barely got in the Same side. with Izzy Brown, wasn't it? Same with Izzy Brown. And this season with James Bree. You saw with Brentford, so much of that good stuff in the second half that came down the right with James Bree. And yeah, I can't I can't recall a chance where Collins was uh, trying to get on the end of one. But if you're talking more of averages and up in the amount of chances you create, the fact that James Bree is not in the team at the moment because he's uh, still got these ing- injury niggles is 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 not helping Luton at all uh, in that regard. So there are extenuating circumstances. Um, I think one one thing that I would like to see James Collins stop doing is falling over. Um, I think. It's starting to get sussed out now by refs. There was a few incidences yesterday in the previous games where the referees have just waved it away. Sort of, he gets his body in front of uh, players and then goes down too easily. And he's not the most graceful of players, and it doesn't look like he's been upended by a, a, a dodgy tackle. So the referees are sort of seeing through it a little bit. Um, so a, a little less of that. Hold the ball, lay it off, get into the box, keep it simple. Uh, and maybe that's what it is, but uh, yeah, um, who am I to say? <laughs> it, I, you do see him do so much off the ball that uh, yeah, you wonder, like I say, whether that that has an effect. And you've both spoken about service to him. So, with ra- with that in mind, uh, Tony, I'll come to you first. Harry Cornick obviously couldn't have put it on a plate more for him. Um, against Huddersfield, his long throw. I don't, do you get an assist for that? I don't know. I don't suppose he does, does he? But, um, you know, the goal came from from his long throw. Where are we with Harry Cornick, Tony? Because there's two sides to this question as well, in that Tom Ince has just come into the side, to the squad, sorry, uh, and can play in that area. Uh, Harry Cornick's yet to score a goal this season. OK, he's recently assisted one, two goals, depending on your viewpoint against Birmingham. But clearly the output in the new modern craze is goal contributions, isn't it? Um, isn't high. So where are we with Harry Cornick? Well, he, he, he's, <laughs> he's one of these players that um, when he does score a goal, they're generally terrific goals, but it, his uh, conversion rate is not that great. I, I, I think at the moment, I think he's been asked to do a different job. Um, I think he's looking to provide more width in the team going forward, and that that that's he seems to be hogging that um, right hand touch line and looking to get in. And he's shown that he's he's improved because his touch is good and beating players. And we've always known about his pace, but um, it's just inconsistency of his crossing, isn't it? You know, we got you know if 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 he got on top of that. And putting the chances in, there, you know, crosses in and providing them for Colo and even for Hilton. Both of them are are experienced enough to know where they should be in the box and 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 where the ball's going to go. But the trouble is, Harry, at the moment, you don't know where the ball's roughly going to go, do you? Um, but I think he's definitely improved. He's certainly more physical than he was, and he's not shrugged off the ball so much now. So. Um, Again, I think as long as he continues to show steady progress, you know, maybe they've looked at it and thought, well, you know, we've tried and his finishing is not going to improve, so we'll use him in a different way. You know, I don't know. I, I think that's what it is. Um, I mean, I've, I've not got any um, uh, confirmation on that to say it is. It's just my opinion, but I, he's not a striker. And his um, finishing rate this season and, and even last season when he... He missed so many one on ones, just just proves that he hasn't got that uh, instinct. But you know what he, you know, part of that was because Graham Jones tried to convert him into a striker, I think. But he was brought in and and deployed by Nathan Jones as a as a more wide operator, 
and that seems to be what he is now. Um, so it, I think that's probably where he, he his best strengths lie because he's got that pace. I, I, like everybody can see that he still needs to improve his final ball, uh, and I think um, when it gets to in a really tight area, like towards the touchline, and a, and a player's just holding him up, I don't think he necessarily has a a plan to get round him. He hasn't, he's not, a, he's got, not got tricks uh, per se. So there's, there's that as well, but um, uh, to, to not have sort of weighed in with a couple of goals is a bit concerning. Uh, and it's, you know, that's, it is a, around the whole team. There's lots of players that haven't scored goals, but um, you know, I think he did, did he, he might've reached double figures. It might've been nine last season to not have got one. Um, in a team that aren't creating a, a great amount of chances, it's hard to see where he is actually going to score this uh, season, particularly last night against Cardiff when he, he got into a good promising position and, uh, and and Cardiff managed to deflect that away. So, um, But, you know, the fact that they've signed these, like, these strikers suggests to me that he, he's going to revert back to the the original roles that he, he was was given in, when he first joined the club. So can he stay in the side without goals and without building up this? Uh, it's not a phrase I like, goal contributions, because uh, you know how they work it out is literally the last person to touch the ball before the person who puts it in the back of the net. But actually, the move could involve everyone else prior to that. Um, but you know, if that if that is if that does remain low, can he can he stay in the side in a side that isn't scoring goals? Well, I mean, that's the that's the big question, really. I think, I mean, last season for me, he was the most improved player in the side. And I think this season he's he's probably plateaued and it, it's maybe even gone the other way. So if, if you bring in players in like Tom Ince who can play on that right-hand side, then it's competition. Uh, and whether that competition sort of helps him thrive a bit, um, you know, you always get the line from players, no competition competition is great it helps us and I'm always a bit dubious I'm not sure uh, whether, whether that's just the media line that they they spin or whether uh, they'd rather not have the competition they'd rather be playing all the time um, you know, I don't know I've not been in a, a professional footballer but um, that's just my own personal scepticism on that particular line I think but you know if sooner or later if you're not if you're not scoring and not creating that many goals then yeah course your, pl- uh, your place is going to be under threat no one's no one is safe football's not a sentimental game if you're not doing the business then somebody else is there to come and step into your place isn't there hmm. i've got to add to that though james is, is the fact that uh, if you look at harry and uh, when he's in the side whoever is behind him on that right hand side be it pearson or be it jordan clark or or, 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 or even brie he links up well with them and you've got to look at as well, his defensive game has improved. You know, he, he, he comes back, he gets into a good position. And as well, on that right-hand side, he does give us a useful outball when we're under pressure. You know that he can pick it up, he can hold on to it, and if he gets a chance to go past the player, he's gone. You know, so I think that part of his game has, has drastically improved as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he obviously has got pace, but I think... The thing about his pace is that he was regularly able to out outrun players in League One and Two, and I don't think he has he has that fear factor really in the Championship. I think there are a lot of players who are a lot of fullbacks who are just as speedy, if not speedier, which means he's not, which may may mean that Luton aren't creating as many chances as because, as you know, that there was great efforts to to work the counter attack uh, under Nathan Jones previously and it worked a treat and and that's not necessarily happening anymore so um yeah it's a tricky one as to what what, what he what he does because um it was always uh Harry Cornick is a is a young player that uh has got to develop um but at a certain point you, after a couple of seasons uh, although the, you've got to develop it all the time as a player and, and grow, if you're not doing the business, then then yeah, of course other players are going to want to have a shot. 
yeah well let's hope he if you know next time he's in the side um which may well be Saturday may may not be uh, let's hope he um, supplies the ball on the plate for uh, Collins to score like he did against Huddersfield okay everyone um that's it for the first part of this podcast we're going to produce this podcast in two parts as we did last month uh coming up in the second part of the um Luton Town Support Stress podcast for February we will discuss a very interesting press conference from Nathan Jones um, prior to the Cardiff game. We'll look ahead to all of the matches coming up up until the international break. We're going to have a little sort of talk around the racial abuse on social media and taking the knee, whether it helps, whether it isn't helping, should it be done, shouldn't it be done. And then James and Tony will get uh, the opportunity to come in off of their long run regarding the lack of progress regarding the um, lease for the Dome at Kutano Road. But that's it for the first part of part of the podcast stay exactly where you are in regards of where you're listening to this podcast and part two will appear and uh, we look forward to having your attention for that <laughs>